and welcome to New Age Raid, a podcast about spirituality in the modern age. My name is Brody, and I'll be your host. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Um, I'm glad to be back. I apologize for the hiatus. I know it's been several weeks. Um, part of that's due to, hopefully, many have noticed that the sound quality is better. I was uh, waiting a new mic after the my five-year-old daughter chewed through the cord on the headset that I used to record. So I've got nice new fancy mic and hopefully that's made a positive difference. Um, but that and life's been crazy. I don't, I, I kind of feel like ever since I found this whole thing, this spiritual path, um, every week feels like it's chock full of very, a lot of events, most of them emotional or spiritual in nature, but it keeps things interesting, so I won't complain. Um, so to those of you who have been waiting for a new episode, I apologize. Um, today, what I wanted to go over was magic. I feel like it's kind of been the... How should I say it? The elephant in the room, I guess, as far as... it's It's become such a large part of my current spiritual practice that not talking about it while I'm talking about the other things has become rather difficult. And it's not so much out of the stigma that might be attached to magic. You know, from the view of churchianity, it's a little bit, uh, it's gotten a bad rap, obviously. Um, But it's, it's been a treat on my part to, go over my history with it and the results I've gotten from it. And also, you know, to, to find a way to explain it to my listeners that makes sense. It's by nature, something that's really difficult to uh, wrap your head around. Um, I still don't manage to do it very well. Um, There's sometimes I'll be meditating or, pondering or what have you and the real profound nature of what it is that I'm interacting with will come through to me. And it's just, it's earth shattering stuff on a ontological level. If we want to put it that way. So I, I started out with magic soon after doing work with neo-shamanism. Um, some of you might be quite familiar with my spiritual history at this point, um, if you've been listening to the episodes, but I left Mormonism, got my head around that whole thing, had a agnostic period for a little bit, and then found Buddhism and that kind of set me on the path, right? Once you start dabbling with meditation and the communities around it, there's a lot of, um, that Venn diagram is particularly dense with lots of different kinds of people, right? Um, Meditation is something that's practiced by Buddhists and plenty of other religions, but it's also something that magicians do. When I say magicians, I'm talking about practitioners of magic with a K, I suppose, rather than, you know, rabbits out of hats. Um, so magicians use it. It's a part of 
neo-shamanism in a way. I, I consider that a meditative state using active, active imagination and journeying, right? Basically, meditation kind of opens you up to a whole community of weirdos, right? And I say that with uh, endearment, the term weirdos. I am, I am one of you. <laughs> um, now, so a lot of my listeners are members of Rune Soup, which is another podcast that's a favorite of mine by Gordon White. And so some to some of you, this will be very, very familiar. Um, others of you are definitely not. So <laughs> um, trying to bridge that divide is a little bit difficult. But it started out as curiosity um, in neo-paganism and witchcraft. Um, I'd kind of started being exposed to it in the meditation communities and apps that I was using this idea of manifesting things. And it gets very close to what witchcraft actually is. Um, So it was curiosity, but my own work with neo-shamanism and journeying beforehand had served to shake up my foundations enough to make me open-minded to just about anything that, and I think I, carry a similar sense that most of us do that something exists in that area that is messing with something real yet unexplainable before all of this i was kind of a massive fan of horror stories and suspense that involved the occult i was a long time listener of another podcast uh, the black tapes which is audio drama um which dealt with this scientist who had several black tapes, VHS, VHS tapes, tapes of supernatural events that he could not explain using science, right? So this was the real stuff that um, we didn't have an answer for. Now, that's all fiction, but, you know, that's something I'd been interested in along with the work of H.P. Lovecraft. So modern day witchcraft seems to have adopted a lot of new agey things that take away that sharp edge, but it's still there for sure. There's this eerie sense that people who are practicing within the magical tradition, whether that's witchcraft or something else are definitely messing with something real and unexplained. Um, my Christian background obviously told me to be scared of that stuff. Um, I remember early on, telling my dad when I was a young teenager that I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons because we'd, we'd gone to a charter school at the time and a kid had one of those books full of illustrations, those guidebooks that have these cool drawings of characters and creatures. And, and it seemed fascinating to me, especially as you know someone who was so into Lord of the Rings and, and all that. And I remember bringing it up and getting the whole, that stuff is evil and you shouldn't mess with it. <laughs> which is patently ridiculous. Uh, I I think my dad's probably moved past that by now. I'm pretty sure we even floated the idea of having a D and D game with him and my brothers or my brother. Um, But anyways, the newfound openness that I'd had told me that anything that seemed to have so powerful a fear surrounding it was probably worth investigating just to get to the bottom of it. Um, after some study, I found that it was quite different from what I had supposed. I started out with Gardnerian witchcraft, your standard. Um, I'd say that's the most popular branch of it by far. There's there's tons. Um, but that was 
the comeback, the Gardnerian witchcraft. Um, and I obviously discovered that a lot of the fear mongering of the practice had given me a very wrong perception of it. Um, if anything, it seems, I mean, it's obviously an attempt at spirituality pre-Christianity to go back to the roots farther back than that. Um, I really appreciated its concept of deity. Um, obviously growing up in the Christian tradition, we had a masculine God, heavenly father. Right. Um, but in Mormonism, there had always been a teaching regarding heavenly mother, but she was rarely spoken of beyond the token mention that she existed. And witchcraft definitely went way beyond that. Um, usually in, in many kinds, <laughs> in many situations, placing the goddess over the God, you know, um, cause witchcraft identifies with that female empowerment, the, the fight for an equal standing. Um, and I found that to be a refreshing change of pace and ended up giving me new ways of viewing deity. Uh, witchcraft is very open in the fact that it allows you to worship whatever gods and goddesses you want um, because the belief is that they're merely facets of the one god and goddess, right? And that's kind of informed my view of deity now in that when I say the word God, I'm incorporating both masculine and feminine elements of it. And I consider that when I'm working with God forms, as well, as I'll call them like Venus, that that is one aspect of God. Um, and I kind of play around with it now. Sometimes when I pray, I'll be praying to, you know, masculine God. And sometimes I'm, I'm praying to the goddess, to heavenly mother. Um, because getting in touch with that feminine aspect of it is something that I've lacked my whole life. So I'm trying to play catch up, I guess. Um, but aside from that, what studying witchcraft did was introduce me to an entirely new concept, which is my own ability to affect reality through ritual and intent. In all my previous paradigms, it was always somebody else in the driver's seat of reality. It was God or Christ. Um, never had it occurred to me that I might have a say in the whole thing. Um, I figured, you know, I was playing out a part given to me in a play or I was being tested to get back to God. None of my frameworks before had ever included anything about changing reality via my own power um, beyond what I could obviously do physically. So I tried it. Um, it was always difficult to find spells to do. I think the hardest part is especially coming back from the, from the background that I come from was even asking the question, what do I want? Like, what do I want enough that I feel like I want to employ magic to get it? Um, which ended up being important and helpful in the sense that like, it's important to ask yourself what you want. And I'd never done that before. And so I think I started out with simple money spells, you know, green candles because green's the color of money and, there's certain stones that are associated with money as well. Those kind of correspondences and kind of gathering them all up and lighting a candle and, you know, intending into it <laughs> that I would get the, the money that I'd need. Um, we were not struggling financially, but like many people were paycheck to paycheck. Um, 
And I did a few of those spells and the money came. It was in small portions, enough to get us through. And the timing seemed odd. And I'd come to understand that as synchronicity. But it was never this like, you know, lightning out of my fingertips or like a, a big deal like some where I'd said, well, I want $342 and I got exactly $342. It's just the opportunity seemed to coincide with the act itself. Um, they were small enough that they never like rocked my world, um, but they were enough to keep me interested. And from witchcraft, my study branched out into the occult in general. And well, that's kind of kept me busy for a very long time, that whole, that umbrella of things that we put, you know, that thing that we, those practices that we put under the umbrella of the occult is quite large. Um, I think I could probably study it for the rest of my life. Um, and I think that's, that's what I want to get to is, what do I have to report back after studying and practicing magic in various forms? Um, I'm my ninth house astrologically, which so ninth house is associated with plenty of things, but among them are religion, philosophy, higher education. So if you're looking for a place for spiritual beliefs, ninth house is one of those. And mine's ruled by Gemini, who tends to be, um, it's a mutable air sign. So flighty changes very quickly, um, hops from one subject to the next to Jack of all trades, master of none. And so I approach my spiritual practice like that in that I tend to hop around quite a bit. And I've done that with, with magic as well. Um, so my views of magic have moved far beyond neo-paganism or witchcraft and no doubt I'll circle back around to it because there's useful tech there, but I would classify myself as a chaos magician these days. Um, and I'll do my best to explain what that means <laughs> for those who don't already know. Um, so chaos magic is the fundamental belief is that belief is important. That belief is the mechanism by which we get results. A chaos magician doesn't, choose to hold on to beliefs. They use the beliefs that are going to get them the results they want. And then as soon as they have the results, you can move on to a different belief, which sounds um, a little wishy-washy or <laughs> I guess. Um, one of the best descriptors I have for it is this quote by, um, I've tried to look into the origins of this quote. Um, I've heard it in chaos magic circles, but also it's most famously from Assassin's Creed <laughs> uh, video games, which is nothing is true. Everything is permitted. That you basically, it's not that you don't believe anything, but no belief system itself is inherently true, or at least there's no way of proving it. Um, once you get into philosophy, you'll come across the, the, this thing called Munchausen's trilemma, which is how do we prove that anything's true? Essentially, there's it's a trilemma because there's three three things that it lists. Um, but the question of how do you know something is very difficult, if not impossible, to answer. Um, you can 
almost ad infinitum, just keep asking, well, how do you know that? And then you give an answer and you say, well, how do you know that that is true? And you go far enough and you realize, I don't know that anything's true, really, um, on a knowledge basis. Believe something different, right? Um, and so that nothing is true, everything is permitted. You know, it's it's open-mindedness, the willingness to accept the belief system as it is, take it, use it, and see what, what happens. Chaos magicians are about results rather than the beliefs attached to the results. Um, and it's fit in really well with my definition of reality anyways. I kind of, my cosmology at this point is very what dreams may come that uh, Robin Williams movie where essentially the afterlife is whatever you think it is <laughs> that everyone's got their own personal heaven. That's very different from anyone else's. And then people who've done astral projection or out of body experiences consistently report that that's the world that seems to be the one we're going into that they claim to ventured in, you know, the afterlife and it's described like that by several of them. And I found that idea very intriguing. I have no evidence for it. <laughs> it's just the way I'd like it to be because in that sense, if everything is true, which is the opposite of nothing is true. It's, See, I'm tongue-tying my words already because it's so hard to describe. But from the way I view things now, I'm capable of believing that what I'm doing with my spiritual practice will lead me to a happiness that is unique and individual to me and that everyone else can get that too. Um, it's why I don't feel a need to badger my parents about their practice of Mormonism despite the fact that I believe that there's lots of things that are problematic about Mormonism, right? Um, my basic belief system tells me that they're going to get what they want out of it. As long as it's offering something that brings them happiness and peace, I don't want to mess with that. Um, obviously, I'd be stoked if they wanted to <laughs> venture and learn more outside of that paradigm, but to me, if they die, they're going to Mormon heaven. If that's heaven for them, then great. It's no longer heaven for me. Um, I would much prefer to hang out in Middle Earth, do whatever I want, <laughs> um, as, as far as heaven goes. Um, there's a lot of variety in my desired afterlife. Um, but by chaos magic rules, because nothing is true, everything is true. All beliefs are true. Since no one has a claim to complete truth, then everything becomes worth investigating. Now, obviously some things get results and some don't. And that's what determines where a chaos magician puts his, um, his faith, right? Is what, what seems to work. And my whole spiritual journey up to this point has taught me very much that tons of things work. 
everyone's kind of got a piece of it. Everyone's kind of doing something right. There are rules, of course, and practices that work better than others, like I said, but I found it essentially true that we're all doing magic. I did it as a Mormon via prayer and priesthood blessings and vice versa. Witches use candles and herbs and intention to achieve similar results. Catholics and transubstantiation, that's magic if I've ever seen it. It's a literal changing of bread and water into the flesh and blood of Christ from their point of view. It's a magical ritual if I've ever seen one, right? Now, I know that they wouldn't like being placed in the same category as witches and Mormons, but both um, well, all of them are trying to change the nature of reality via a ritual or practice um, that centers upon intent. And such is what we've been doing since the beginning, as far as I can tell. And since I started doing it, well, my life has n- never been the same. <laughs> um like I said, I've never had lightning strike. I've never made lightning strike a tree. I've never conjured a large pile of cash. But I found that the things that I focus on, visualize, pray or for, and pray for, paired with ritual thought and action, have had a funny way of showing up in my life. I point myself in a direction ritually, and things just start coming together. It's never clean or exactly how I predicted or asked but I've noticed that there's a definite correlation to the magic I do and where my life goes. Um, The basic premise of magic to me is that thoughts are causative. This is the basis of the positive thought movement that we referred to in, in the new age episode. And that's how Mitch Horowitz defines it. Thoughts are causative. Um, And I believe it to be the basis of every other magical tradition, whether they say it or whether they say it explicitly or not. Um, The rituals and the means differ, but that's the basic idea of all magical tradition to me, is that the things you think about causes reality to change. Um, A favorite quote of mine is from Milton in Paradise Lost. He says, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. And I think we all recognize that via the mind, we can create anything in our internal landscape. Our surrounding can be the most dismal life can offer. And yet, our internal world can be a paradise. Over that, we have, well, not complete control. I don't want to leave anybody out of that. But it's generally true that our internal world is far more susceptible than our external one. Um but magic takes it still a step further in that the reality outside of your head can change too. In fact, there isn't much evidence to say that there is anything happening outside your head. That's solipsism, I guess, but that the only thing you can know is that you're experiencing something. Um, but from my point of view and belief at this point is that our experience of reality is interpreting signals from the outside and putting them together to form something. But we don't know that for sure that our brains or our consciousness are interpreting said signals correctly. What signals are we incapable of seeing? Um, We theorize that some animals can see colors we can't or smell things we can't. And then science has several theories about, you know, um, 
electromagnetic frequencies. There's a very small spectrum of reality which we can see, right? Radio, x-ray, infrared, gamma, all of these lie outside our perception, yet we know they're there. Um, if you take all of this into consideration, it no longer seems impossible to me that there's some force out there that we could be being affected by and affecting knowingly or unknowingly. Um, so for me, I've chosen to believe that magic exists on the one hand, frankly, because it's just more interesting. There's a lot of things I'll never know. Magic itself hasn't ever overtly shown its hand to me. It hasn't ever shouted, look at me, I'm true, right? Now, you know, I work. Um, it's always been very subtle. It's always been the world rearranging itself in very typical, normal ways to bring about the things I desire. But the alternative to no magic is simply too boring to be any fun for me. Um, from the materialistic point of view, everything is the result of matter, right? Consciousness springs from that fleshy gray stuff between your ears. Despite the fact that we've done studies where medically brain dead people somehow have out of body experiences and come back with memories of them, yet their brains are dead. So how could they be having a hallucination as some in the materialistic community have claimed that such things are? Out-of-body experiences are hallucinations, but I'm pretty sure you can't hallucinate if your brain is dead. Um, and so from that point of view, from that materialistic paradigm, when you die, so does your consciousness. Your life, your choices in the end are meaningless. You and everything you do, everyone you loved, will cease to exist. Existence itself is the result of some random and very fortuitous circumstances, including the whole of existence exploding into being rather suddenly and forcefully. How very coincidental. <laughs> it's too bad it doesn't mean anything. Um, or it does. You are not here alive now by chance. The things you think about and see and do matter. Your actions and thoughts and words are ripples across reality. This felt related, even though I can't put it into words how, but there's a quote from Heraclitus. He says, no man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. And I would argue that we're constantly performing magic, that we ourselves are ripples in reality, but we're also getting hit by ripples coming at us, right? Um, reality is this big, you know, public swimming pool <laughs> where some people are sending out waves that hit us and we're sending out waves that hit them. We're all affecting each other, right? Um, and what is magic if not transforming our thoughts into tangible reality. What are we doing all day if it's not thinking about things and making them come true? Aleister Crowley, of he's probably the most famous magician, um, defined magic as the science and art of causing change to, to occur in conformity with will. Um, so that's what magic is to me. It's it's nothing less than deciding what I want and need as a person and doing everything in my power to make it happen. I will pray, 
I will visualize and I will perform rituals and other magic to make it happen in addition to practical everyday things that occur to everyone. Um, So I'll leave it at that for now. Um, Anchor only lets me record in 30 minute pieces and we're getting close to that mark. But after the break, we'll come back and keep talking about the rest of my history with it and how it's continued to affect me since discovering it. All right, and we're back. Um, So where we'd left off is the Crowley quote, science and art, that magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. Um, So recently, um, as I mentioned before, Many of the people who listen to this are already members of Rune Soup and familiar with Gordon White. So this will be um, familiar to a lot of you. Um, So I've I've been doing the coursework that he's put out uh, for Wealth Magic. And that was the last course he put out. And the very first thing he did was put out a 10-day challenge to pick a magical target and throw everything at it. Um, Any kind of magic you knew how to do as well as just like your normal effort as a human being. Like how do I make money for this or get together materials for whatever that dream is. Right. So I participated in that 10 day challenge and well, well, let's talk about what the dream is that I have that's related to this, right? One of the things that's been particularly dear to me, I don't know if I've made this obvious during my uh, recordings, but is Lord of the Rings. You know, I read Lord of the Rings when I was a fairly young kid. And it's been an ever-present utopia in my head, even though I know it's not a utopia technically, right? There's a lot of sad, stressful things that happen in Lord of the Rings to the characters, but ever since I've been exposed to the world of Tolkien, I desperately wanted it to be real. And so my magical target these days is to create my own private shire on Earth, Um, it's been the target of prayer and visualization and ritual and little by little I can see it manifesting and that's this 10 day challenge by Gordon really kicked my ass in the sense that it required me to ask the question what do I want what will I burn the boats for right that thing that you know you land on its shore and you burn your boats behind you so that you don't have an option but to go for it. And selecting that target and throwing everything at it, whether that was prayer, visualization, magic with sigils or candles or whatnot, doing that changed the trajectory of my life. This podcast is the direct result of that. 10 gay that 10 day goal um, since its inception 
this podcast and everything and what it's a part of have started to make up my life's work. I came to the realization that I was working for someone else, that someone else dictated when I got up in the morning, when I went to bed, what I could and couldn't do if I wanted to, you know, be happy within that framework. I'd been robbed of things like putting my children to bed because I, I wake up at insanely early hours and therefore go to bed very early. Um, and coming to that realization that like I was living a life I didn't want and deciding to turn that around and throw everything at it has just completely upended my life. And it's, and that's just the first thing. Um, there's this very <laughs> difficult quote at well, I don't know how difficult it is. Uh, so we're back to Gordon again, Gordon White. Um, in Chaos Protocols, he's, he talks about magic properly applied will destroy your life. Um, and that's true. I don't mean to make light of what this stuff is in any way, especially after experiences I had just today. Um, I feel like since I discovered magic, it's one by one taken pieces of my life and just crushed them. And from the rubble of whatever that thing was grew something new and beautiful and more true to me. Um, whether that's being the, whether that's this podcast, the career that I'm currently starting as an astrologer or a spiritual counselor or whatever this ends up being. That's the thing is I don't, I don't know. You know, in the direction I'm moving in now, I've moved a lot of effort towards being professionally qualified as an astrologer, taking courses, being certified. Um, but that's, that's a piece, right? It's something that I know I would enjoy doing. But it's just, that's what I have to report back on, is that a mere several months dabbling with magic has utterly changed everything. I can say that without a doubt, that my life has become infinitely more interesting from the moment I picked up a study of witchcraft and then, you know, got started. I'm reminded of that quote that Bilbo says to Frodo, which is, be careful stepping out your door because <laughs> you never know where you might end up. But I think that applies to where we go mentally, the travels that we take. Sometimes I get discouraged by my lack of truly miraculous results. But then I remember that I've only been doing this for a few months and the results have been astounding in that context. I've been to so many places spiritually and mentally that I never would have ventured otherwise. My perception of reality has changed in ways I can't even properly describe. And so I feel no shame in saying it any longer. I believe in magic. It has changed and continues to change my life. Sometimes I worry that people hear those words and they write me off. Um, I didn't arrive at that conclusion lightly. I studied, I practiced, I gave anything and everything a shot. 
For me, science and religion had failed to explain reality in a way that was satisfying. And maybe that's too tall of an order for anything, even magic at this point. But I decided to be open to anything, and I'm still on that path. And I'm forced to admit that magic has had tremendous results for me. Um, It never was something... It's not Harry Potter, right? It's not, you know, using a wand to do the dishes. The miracles have happened by conventional, boring means, right? Reality has shifted and opportunities show up when I ask for them. Not always and not consistently, but they do show up with a greater frequency and power since I started. Um, And I look upon the whole of my life, not just the last few months and the practice with magic, but all the spiritual experiences or the transcendent experiences I've had, Mormonism included. And I can see the correlation between the thoughts and intents that I had at the time and what happened to me. You know, I remember things like, you know, as a young teenager, we lived out in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And I miss it because you could go outside and not see a car for an hour, you know. And I get distressed as a teenager and I just go for a walk under the stars. And even back then, I felt oftentimes alone. And I think maybe this is something that a lot of us people in the magical community share. A lot of us end up being black sheep or of, of some kind. That the way that we think... And the things that are important to us just kind of aren't what everyone else spends time thinking about. It doesn't make them stupid or vapid. It's just we're doing very different things. Um, and so feeling alone, you know, I'd go up and as a you know true believing Mormon kid at the time who'd just gotten back from youth conferences where, you know, we're all crying and bearing our testimonies and I sat on a hill and I just asked God to show me that he loved me. And this beautiful sunset just kind of broke through the clouds. and There was hues of purple and orange and pink and so many colors. And I got this profound sense that it's like this sunset was precisely for me. As ridiculous as that sounds, that, you know, God would create this beautiful scene just for one kid. But that's something that's there. It's an experience I had that, despite the fact that nothing out of the ordinary happened, it was just another sunset, right? It answered that prayer for me. And I've had plenty of prayers that get answered, that have gotten answered after that, including ones today. You know, I 
I was praying and asking for things. And I mean, oh boy, did I get the answers that I wanted or needed. That have led to, it's it's a special day in the sense that like, I've just had this, this very concept of thoughts being causative just hammered into my being <laughs> today that reality really does shift and change based off of what we're putting out there. Almost to the point that it becomes worth it by itself just to visualize it and feel it so intensely as if it were real that it it basically is for all intensive purposes. I spent a lot of time today just visualizing my preferred existence with as much feeling and heart as I could. And then breaking through to that point where it's like, it feels as if it has already been given to you. And I can't help but think that Something changed as soon as that happened. So I usually pivot to talking about, well, what can you do (laughs) to put more magic in your life? In my experience, just talking to other people who practice this stuff, and it seems like it's different for everyone. Some people stick to candles and herbs and witchcraft because that's something they resonate with. I personally like the new thought stuff more than anything else. I like to pray and visualize and meditate rather than buying expensive materials to create talismans or vice versa. Maybe I'll get into that at some point. There's so many different kinds of magic. There's old grimoires like the Key of Solomon that you can used to summon different spirits. A little bit spooky for me, but also intriguing. Haven't tried it yet. (laughs) There's sigils, like I mentioned. That's a kind of a chaos magic staple of communicating with your unconscious because the idea is the unconscious is the thing that creates the outside experience that you see as reality. Um, As a beginning intro, I would recommend, and I feel like I've recommended this book before, Real Magic by um, Dean Radin. He's coming at it from a scientific point of view. Of course, he's had his name dragged through the mud for even daring to speak of magic and its reality, despite the fact that all of the studies he did were scientifically valid and rigorous and repeatable. (laughs) Um he's gotten some very interesting results that beg to be explored, but because they don't fit into the current narrative, he's, he's not popular, (laughs) but reading that book was important for me as someone who does respect science as a valid means of finding certain kinds of truth. Um, To have that validation there was important. Mitch Horowitz also goes over similar results in his book, The Miracle Club. 
Another one that I'm pretty sure I've mentioned is The Power of Eight by Lynn McTaggart. Similar ex experiments done scientifically with results that, if true, and I have no reason to believe they aren't, have profound consequences for our reality. Because we're talking about people, you know, literally wishing plants into growing taller and bigger, merely with intent. And I can't help but think that the experience that I had today was the result of tons of different kinds of magic. You know, I've prayed. I've asked for wisdom on things. I participate in intention work, which I've told, been told that despite the fact that you're intending for someone else's well-being, usually ends up giving you more in return. You know, we do things in the groups that I run with, you know, from doing intentions for people's dogs to get better from injuries and sickness to folks with cancer or affected by the pandemic that's going on right now. And I can't help but think that all of those actions that I've taken culminate in these experiences that I have. And I don't feel completely in control, like I'm in the driver's seat, but the universe definitely seems to be responding to what I ask, what I tell it, what I desire. It puts its own personal little spin on it to keep things exciting. <laughs> but all I can I all I can say is I believe it works just by mere dint of how much it's changed my life. So I will leave it there, lest I start rambling incoherently, which is my typical response when I run out of notes to read. Um, so I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I'm going to, once again, promise to be better, despite the fact that I did so last time and did not have it pan out. Um, I think I just needed to make some changes household-wise and being like, all right, so kids need to be out of the house at this time on this day so that I can record. Um, I was kind of trying to be adaptable and play it fast and loose, and that never seems to pan out. <laughs> um, hopefully, everything sounds much better. Um, I'm hoping that having this nice new microphone will reduce the amount of takes I have to do because of weird sound issues and and editing and whatnot. As always, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, there's a Patreon, um, patreon.com slash new age raid. Anchor also allows you to make donations uh, that will come to me in helping me, you know, improve the podcast. I'm always open to feedback. You can email me at newageraid at gmail.com. Beyond that, I've started doing and providing astrological services. I'm still at that phase where I ain't charging anybody yet, <laughs> or at least not insisting upon it. Um, most of the time, I'm just like, well, pay me what I'm worth, or, or we'll find out some kind of weird exchange. But that's something that I'm doing. So if any of you listen 
and you're interested in having your chart read by an amateur. Now, I mean, that amateur has dedicated quite a bit of study to astrology, so I want to say I'm at least mildly competent that it'd be worth your time. Um, so you can shoot me an email there. I'm on Twitter, um, at Broderick Brody, or just Broderick Carpenter. Um, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> People want to go that route too. Um, just shoot me a DM if you'd like your chart read or some other service I can provide. Um, the thing that I'm really hoping to do and look forward to is just sitting down with people um, or, well, conferencing via Zoom and other things and talking about their lives, talking about their spiritual practices, the things that are working for them, talking about the things that are hard in their lives and things that you know, can be done to improve that situation. I uh, just, it's just something that I'd like the opportunity to do. So if any of you need it or want it, hit me up and we'll go ahead and end there. I hopefully come back next week with some more content in a more consistent fashion. I'm not quite sure where I plan on taking the podcast from here. It's not that I've exhausted my store of knowledge so much as trying to find a, trying to keep it relevant would be the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, any suggestions, go ahead and send them my way, but we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.